information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. All information, content, and materials available on this podcast are for entertainment purposes only. The views and opinions expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Cultiva Law. Now, without further ado, here are your exquisite esquires, Mio Asami and Fabiola Jimenez. What's up, squad? And you're back with Mio and Fabi. Yeah, girls. The huge. Um, and this is part two of part one of uh, our social equity programming. And with us, um, it, we have some special guests. We have Chris Gerard, a.k.a. The Hemp Guru, um, who is part of the Cultiva team, helping with operations, um, legal support, and really anything else that we that um, we very kindly ask Chris to do. Um, and also joining us is Ken Ford, who is our another attorney here at the firm. He's going to go ahead and give us his thoughts on this social equity topic. Got some knowledge on y'all. The shouts, the shouts. We've been getting that, the shouts. And if you don't know that, you're too young for me, bro. <laughs> People don't forget. (laughs) Don't forget. (laughs) All right. So we went over, um, you know, first half of this two part series was talking about the history. You know, what does actually social equity mean? And now we're going to be kind of diving into some of the nitty gritty and some of the real stuff um, where we're just going to be talking about the dirt. The dirt. Like, is the implementation of social equity like a real thing? Is it a good thing? Um, what's it doing? Yeah, what's it How's not it doing? People. Yeah, for shows, for sure. We kind of got into that a little bit last time. But we did. I mean, granted, we're gonna get a little bit more. Might get a little bit more heated, guys. It's gonna get real heated because I have some very so, strong yeah. opinions about this. So, so again, you want to grab yeah. some snacks and chill. Grab some, <laughs> grab some snacks. H O two. For sure, for sure. So. Let's go into it, right? Like, what the fuck is social equity? Like, what are these programs? You know, the key word that social equity programs around everywhere talk about these, like, opportunities, right? Like, they're creating these opportunities with this equity opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, these, they're creating something out of nothing or um, in some circumstances, you know, they're, they're, it's reparations for some past. war on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So I personally think using the word, opportunities is just that I, I, I think it's not a good word to describe what social equity program should be. It's not creating opportunities per se as like it should be coming up with something new. I think it's for me, at least to use the word opportunities is kind of like deceptive. Like a, yeah, it is deceptive. Cause it's not, we're doing you a favor, bro. Yeah. Is how just, I feel. Yeah. But also it's like, I'm a, now I'm under the impression that like, if I qualify, then, you know, I'm at the same starting point as anybody else that isn't part of the program. You know what I mean? So, like, right. if I was was a social equity applicant and I'm like, you know what? I have all these opportunities now. Suddenly I'm thinking I'm going to be at the same starting point as somebody who sure. is just applying for a license regularly without the program. Right. But that's just not the case. It's not at all. Right, right. Like, there is <laughs> so no, like there is no leg up, right? Like right. opportunities is like, okay, you're you're this is advantageous, this is you're getting a leg up on on everybody else. But when you kind of look at the way some of these social equity programs are designed, it's just not that's just not the case. Right, because there are other it, there's other barriers, right? Right. It's not just 
oh, like I don't have the opportunity to um, get a license if I'm not part of the program, which is really what I have experienced social equity to be is that you are restricting certain people from certain other privileged people <laughs> yeah, from applying. Sure. Right. But at the same time, like there's other barriers to entry, kind of like what I talked about in part one, like there's financing is a huge barrier to entry. It's, but social equity programs don't, it doesn't get rid of the fact that you still need hundreds Money. of thousands of yeah. dollars to start up your business. And I don't, you know, like it's just. And, and, and I also think like, again, it's opportunities in the way that they describe it. Like, these social equity programs are like, okay, well, who is the most deserving of this opportunity, right? right? And right. again, those are all deceptive things because as you mentioned earlier, some of these social equity programs will pin people against each other. And then it's like, this is an opportunity. This is fucking fight to the death and we're just going to roll with it. And so I think, yes, the word opportunities is a deceptive way to describe what the social equity programs are bringing about. Yeah, um, I, um, I think that, uh, like you said, the, the idea of opportunity is an uh, interesting phrase, especially when you're just looking at Washington and their plan and course of action. You right. know, they have uh, what they have like over 569 licenses out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then essentially for their social equity program, they're only giving away the the 34 right. cannabis licenses that have been like revoked. Right. Canceled. Yeah, right. exactly. And so, yeah, I mean. and, so, and so they're looking to like, hey, they, at first initially they looked at the numbers and said, hey, you know, this doesn't have as many minorities we would have liked in the cannabis industry. Let's try to bump it up a little bit. Yeah. But what do you think 34 minority cannabis owners right. would do to the over 500 and something. If you just right. do simple math, that is <laughs> less than the proportional yeah. population of these yeah. races yeah. In, in Washington. Right, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and like Mio had said, you know, the way that they obtained these didn't start with the idea of social equity. It was from seizing licenses, from shutting them down, from getting into... You know, people that just made honest mistakes having their licenses ripped from them before we had this big change in laws. And now they're trying to figure out how to re-stimulate their budget with new licenses. And this one makes them look best. Yeah. It's, I mean, at least that's how it comes across. So I don't read anybody's mind or know any policies, but like that's, it's just like, oh, hey, we screwed up. Here's a token to fix it. Yeah. Here goes our leftovers. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Here go our scraps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in Los Angeles, like it doesn't change the fact that like, I mean, because Washington's still like in the preliminary stages, right? They haven't implemented or even finalized their program yet. But in Los Angeles, they have, I mean, it's still changing, (laughs) but it's finalized to a degree. Being part of the social equity program doesn't change the fact that like, it's still helpful. Like having a secured location and paying rent on an empty store that you don't even know if you're going to get a license in yet but paying rent there is going to make your application look better than someone who hasn't secured a location yet because to the people who are processing the applications it looks it just looks better like you're oh you're more serious about trying to open a store here like you 
clearly have the funds to, you know, operate because you're already paying rent somewhere. And, you know, you there's just a bigger level of commitment or higher level of commitment that you show by paying rent on an empty fucking location. But again, people who are qualifying for a social equity program usually don't have the means to pay the rent for right. somewhere like that, right? So you're waiting, right. you submit your application, you're like, you know what, I'm in this active lease and I'm just waiting. Um, I'm now paying, you know, 3,000 bucks a month for this store right. or for the space that I don't even know if I'm going to license in, but that's what I'm doing right now. And it's ridiculous. Again, barriers to entry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Finances. You, like the social equity program doesn't absolve you of those types of advantages that you would have if you have the money to wait for your yeah. application. And I, I would say that it, it creates a, a heavier burden for them. Like yeah. those additional requirements. Mm -hmm. That normal cannabis license holders do not have to 100%. take. Like, you know, here in Washington, they're making these applicants, they have to submit a business plan where they talk about their partnerships and assistance to residents in connection with high rates of uh, marijuana prohibition. Like, they have to show that they, they justify being in the program. Or they have to show how they're going to give back. Yeah, in but some other, type of way. Yeah. Right. They got to have some type of partnership, some type of way they give it back. Either they're, they're <laughs> Imagine that. you know, Imagine giving that. away some of their own exactly. revenue and profits to the community. 100%. Or they have to do additional hours of work right. to with their community. Whereas in other cannabis licenses, they don't have to do that. Which right. means they have more profit, more money in their pockets. They mm -hmm. get to keep more 100%. hours to work and grind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are some cities in California that have that type of requirement on the applications itself, but it's uniform. It's like everybody has to go through that, right? It's not just a social equity program. Which so. which I'm okay with. Like, I mean, yeah, no, I do. If you're gonna if you're gonna ask enforce the uniform, yeah. But when you again you start thinking about how fucked up that is, it's like <laughs> I didn't know what a business plan was until I was in college, right? Yeah. And then I when I went to law school, I, I further understood. I have clients. How those work? Yeah. I have clients right now that are incredibly fucking successful, and they're like, "A business plan for what, dude? I just go. Yeah, I just do this. Yeah. Like, I come to you now because I need mm -hmm. contracts. But you know, as I'm grinding, I don't have the time or the luxury yeah. to sit down and be like, "This is what I'm gonna do on fucking Tuesday." And this yeah, is like this is month. my thirty-four like, page plan. Yeah. And investors take this, and, and this is how I'm gonna roll. But <laughs> but, but again, you're in this, and you're in this weird. In this real world where, you know, people, this the social equity programs are supposed to be helping this, the people that don't have those same luxuries, right? And then they're requesting right. those things to come from them right. to justify them being in these programs where it's like, right. no, no, no. Don't you think if homie knew how to fucking do a business plan, he wouldn't even be in this situation yeah. right now? Yeah. I, I don't know. Fucking ironic, right? right? So that's so yeah. So I it's, you know, it's a trip to to have yeah. so many additional requirements for being in these social equity programs yeah. that are supposedly geared towards helping people. And right. yet, I mean, it sounds, I, I, good, in theory, I, it sounds good in theory and maybe I am just a capitalist, but look, money's money. Sometimes you just go, you want to do your business and you get a role. <laughs> and I had this like weird epiphany like eons ago where I was debating on, I really wanted to go into business law and someone was like, you know, you're fluent in Spanish why don't you go into immigration law? And so then I was like, well, I guess that's the greater good, right? I'm giving back to my community. Right. Why not help, you know, my rasa? Sure. Then I had another friend who's incredibly fucking rich and was like, <laughs> all right, girl, so what's up? Like, what, what are you doing in law school? And I was like, well, you know, I really wanted to do business law and pursue that, but 
you know, to get back to my community, maybe I should pursue doing immigration law. He's like, why don't you get back to coming to me by giving some money? You know, like, (laughs) are you passionate about immigration? I was like, I mean, I'm passionate about immigration reform. I was like, but not necessarily like the practice of it. That doesn't make me a bad person. Right. That I love money also doesn't make me a bad person. (laughs) But, you know, the fact that I had someone be real with me and say, you know what? The best way for you to give back to your community is to be able to support these programs, you know, or right. give up your time. Like, you're going to be so miserable doing immigration law because you don't like it. That's not where your passion is. And that's, right. you're probably not going to be very good at it in the beginning. Right. But why don't you, you know, flex on what you're good at? So, but anyways, that's, a, that's just a tangent. It's, there's different ways of giving back. Right, so requiring them to take money out of their business or, you know, write this plan to, like, well, I'm going to, because I, man, I can't even think of the city right now in California that I was looking at their application materials or their evaluation criteria, and you had to, like, show, talk about your partnerships within the community, kind of like what Washington's trying to do, but also, like, you have to talk about the grants that you're going to give to high school students in the community. That can change. <laughs> right? No, yeah, for college or whatever it is. And like, it's look like, at last year versus this year. That's One right. needs a laptop last year, they needed a backpack. Right, 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 right. And so it's like, I mean, I, again, I, I, like, I get where it's going, but like going back to the financing issue, like Los Angeles specifically, if you want to be a tier one applicant, you have to maintain... 51% of your company, ownership of the company. Yeah. That includes voting rights. That includes profit sharing. That includes literally everything that it would mean to be a 51% owner of the company. Which but you're breaks also, every investor's heart. By exactly. The way. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, it hurts because, them inside. Because you're asking an investor to invest $1 million in Something they, that no in a business that doesn't have any type of history yet, first of mm-hmm. all. And second of and all, they don't get any type of control. So it's like immediately investors are like, nah, maybe not. Because case in point, I literally represented a client that was a social equity applicant. And then he came to us and said, hey, like I need to negotiate uh, with this investor and I want you to write the contracts for, you know, the stock purchase contracts and things like that. I was like, okay, cool, cool. Definitely can do that for you. No problem. We get on the phone with the investor. He finds out, like my client has to maintain 51% ownership, including voting rights, including this and that, including profit everything immediately and that's just like mm, we're gonna think about it and backed out yeah. immediately yeah well you know it's the good and bad of that yeah yeah 100 yeah. though i mean i get why it's there it's to like to deter like predatory investment you know keep investors who are just trying to take over the company and just trying to tokenize and just trying to you know capitalize on the on the business but at the same time is that the best way to do it I don't know. Is it? I don't have the answer. Honestly. Well, yeah. as a token no, white Don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at me. I don't have the I answer. Can, I'm just saying it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I can absolutely say that 100% of the time, somebody that's willing to invest their money is going to have a very hard time giving up control in that project. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, what that does is it opens up the doors to more predatory tactics. Right. More... Uh, or just backdoor doing business. Right, right. Yeah. Handshake deals that right. are going to go sideways right. because nine and a half out of ten go sideways. Right. And it's just the way it is. Right. And, and so you've got this group of people because they qualify for this, obviously experience some hard times, mm-hmm. at least regarding to campus. And then you're going to give them this hope 
they're going to do anything possible. They're going to agree to anything possible right. if they want it. Like, right. they're going to go for it. They're going to go. Right. And finance is not a simple thing to understand right. At, right. At, at all. I mean, it's taken me four years to understand <laughs> barely enough to be dangerous. Right. <laughs> and so, but it's, it, it, there's so many ways around things. There's the workarounds that we've seen in cannabis were born out of things like the finance industry right. and all right. these others. They know how to subvert better than any other. Right. Investors know how to keep their money, keep their tax burdens. The biggest quote you hear is tax avoidance is not illegal. Tax mm -hmm. evasion is illegal. <laughs> and every right. finance guy will tell you that. Yeah. yeah because right. that's what his account told him. Right. And so with tax that, money. you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so they're going to do a back end deal. They're going to, they're going to construct something that could potentially get torn down because, you know, complaint driven industries mm -hmm. with enforcement right. priorities and, yeah. and all these things. As competition ramps up, as soon as somebody hears about their scheme or whatever they got going on, they're going to tell them. Right. We've seen this in Washington, Colorado, every other legal state has right. become complaint driven where people just tell on each other now. Yeah. Yeah. And they do it to spite each other. Right. And so that's going to come up with finance. Yeah. yeah. And now you've got this person that's been disenfranchised, been given what's considered an opportunity, given the hope of financing just to be torn down again. Right. I don't know about you. That pissed me off. <laughs> and so, you know, predatory financing is probably the scariest thing that I see in this. I mean, the government's going to do whatever they do and they're going to screw it up and nothing's going to be perfect. But the predatory lending, the predatory, the yeah. payday loan, yeah. you know, dead inside people. Yeah. Those are the ones that I am terrified. Yeah. Just running amok, preying on social equity applicants because yeah. we've seen it. Yeah. We've, I've, I've, I've talked to these guys and, and not everybody, of course, but, but I've talked to guys that are like, Hey, I'm looking at the social equity. It's the only way to get licenses anymore. Right. What's the deal? Yeah. It's like, well, you can't own it. He's like, well, could I own a company that owns, that has like minority right. board right. and right. all these different schemes and, and mm -hmm. they'll just go through one after another after another. And you know what happened will probably work. And it's, yeah. it's, it's terrifying to realize how screwed these people are going to get. Yeah. Like talk to your lawyer before you take a dime. <laughs> like, please. It's really, it's, it's, it's really not funny. It's not, yeah. funny. it's not funny, but at the same time, I thought it was kind of ironic that like Los Angeles specifically has these little fact sheets that's like um, saying no to predatory <laughs> predatory lenders. Like this is how you avoid predatory lenders. It's, like, what? it's a literal, it's a literal fact sheet that looks like a fucking dare ad or some shit where it's like, yo, this is some traffic. Is it gonna work? Like, <laughs> like I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's helped somebody. I'm sure it has. I can't shit on it, but I also think it's kind of funny. <laughs> That exists because it's just, it's just happening. Well, <laughs> it's happening. You know, it's interesting. That's why I say, like, you know, making sure that these minorities keep control of their company and protecting them is, is really paramount because we've seen it in cannabis. And you, you read these operating agreements, you read these contracts, you say, oh, nobody's saw a lawyer. Before they, yeah. came, they, they drafted this themselves, yeah. they just did this. And you can see, and that's what, that's how you can see this industry is just a newborn baby to legal business world. Because it's not an industry that would do, they would never do that. They don't, you know, nobody moves without speaking to the lawyer. Nobody moves without speaking in particular to the tax lawyer. And they're going to make sure that they properly plan, they properly know the tax implications of these deals, of, of this agreement.
You see it time and time after musicians, they get taken advantage of because they're not fully reading the the contracts. You know, some sports players. Yeah, sports players. They're they're not properly reading that. And so it's going to be really tough to emphasize just the importance of, hey, seeking legal counsel before you agree to these deals or you meet with that investor, Mm -hmm. you know, because like you said, they are professionals in how to structure something, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm I'm a tax attorney and I'm still trying to understand some of the finances. We had to get creative over the years. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, they will make those loans to them where the interest rate is so high and this right. person is constantly paying back and yeah. has no revenue. You but know? you're going to make millions, so don't worry. You can afford that high balloon payment. Yeah, right. It's, yeah. It's, exactly. Yeah. You know, like 12% interest rate is crazy. Yeah. Think 14 I saw and for a long time. Yeah. And, and one thing that I guess people don't realize, like, I know it sucks, you know, and it, it can be intimidating. Like, I didn't, I grew up, like, not knowing one attorney. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, I didn't have too. friends that that were attorneys. My family. I mean, unless you were yeah. a criminal attorney, but like we didn't. <laughs> we didn't have. We didn't have friends that were attorneys, and or, or anybody that we can turn to and say, "Hey, yeah. so and so." But one thing that I've been really pushing a lot is understanding that there are lawyers, depending on the size of the firm, the specialty that they that they practice under. You can afford right. an attorney. And, you know, maybe it does take $2,000 up front to save you $10,000 in the back end is kind of a good way to put it. But, yeah, it's really important to be able to feel comfortable reaching out to somebody for help because the risk of not is so great and it can be so damaging. Um, But really hiring an attorney is not really that daunting you just have to start getting and it on shouldn't home. be yeah and it shouldn't be yeah. but no. for the longest time right only the rich only the wealthy only yeah. the privileged were able and knew how to get into contact with with lawyers right. you know and so that's so you see a bunch of these fucking karens nowadays i'm gonna get my lawyer meanwhile us lawyers on tiktok are like what the fuck is this bitch have you read for the what? constitution yeah lady? for what just what is to it? spend money yeah. Talking to your lawyer. Exactly. It's like but this makes will. no sense. Yeah, no, they will. I mean But it's a privilege thing. And yeah. so you yeah. need to, I, I think yeah. we have to get over the stigma and we have to push through to everybody that like hiring an attorney doesn't have to cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Right. It will cost you pay some. For an hour. Yeah, pay for an hour pay and just say, I just need to talk through this. I believe me when I tell you lawyers will be more than willing to say, here's your pre-retainer, you have an hour with me, and that's it, and then we're done. They will do that for you, I promise. And I actually knew a gentleman who would go through his consulting business or whatever whatever he wanted to call it, but, but he was a pretty good mover. And what he would do is, you know, people that really were serious about doing a deal with him, he was like, all right, what you're going to do is you're going to pay me a $500 down payment to engage with you in this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll take that off whatever money I get for, for what you want to pay me for whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you go around and pay for a lawyer. For just an hour of their time, mm-hmm. or sometimes you know, I charge more on a bigger deal, and go mm-hmm. immediately retain an attorney and say, "Hey, look, this is what I got going on. This is how it's going. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that I'm good." Yeah. And then you know that was that was one of many ways, but it's just an example of like how easy it is to protect your assets, yeah. which is you at yeah. this point. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, but the stigma is you can't or you shouldn't. Right. You're not allowed to. Oh no! Don't worry, don't worry. We have our lawyers. We have our lawyers. Yeah. No, no, no. Look, yo, no. I never trust that, by the way. 
Don't ever trust someone telling me I got my I got my lawyer looking at it. Always look at any yeah. sort of agreement as yeah. a lawyer drafting it to be in their best interests for their client. And so yeah. you have to really picture who is their client. If it's not you, then assume that it's, things are not going to go your way. So it's it's tough, but this is real tough. This is we're really trying to help um, kind of destigmatize. I'm having conversations with lawyers around this, and I think that's probably one of the easiest and best ways to help people in this in the industry um, get a leg up and to not really get fucked over like we see time yeah. and time and time and time and time again. Your contract for anything shouldn't be a page. Just <laughs> shouldn't be shouldn't be two pages. I will I will maybe go five if it's single spaced. That's it. I will go five. But I mean you yeah this I mean some of the so, I've seen like hundred thousand dollar single spaced no paragraphs no paragraphs maybe five maybe five. real talk just one I've seen chunk. like yeah just one paragraph <laughs> no <laughs> indenting absolutely absolutely fuck <laughs> this but I mean I've seen yeah <laughs> I mean you've seen contracts for like hundreds and thousands of dollars oh, and it's God. like is this it I literally have said is this it did yeah. did a page what's, get cut off yeah. where's where's all this other stuff. So that's, I think, the easiest <laughs> way for our peeps to be able to get on par with some of these quote-unquote non-social equity yeah. people. And not to, like, toot Cultiva's horn, but, like, we do our best to, like, I mean, I'm going to toot it off. To... <laughs> we literally, I mean, like, I, I think we do our best at this firm to try and, like, keep a culture of openness and try and be really, like, relatable with our yeah. clients because we don't I mean cannabis industry right not everybody is going to be you know the white collar type of people and that's that's totally fine we think that so yeah we're just now us. getting near the white collar we had the blue collar I mean, I... green collar every other collar but now the white collar is announcement uh oh now they don't really take advantage of <laughs> 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 I'm saying we just we do our best to your labels. So just you know, hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> and then I mean, nobody's here to do that. Hit us up. <laughs> money is not evil. People that have money are not evil by nature. It's not a synonymous thing. Right. True. But at the same time, you know, we look to areas that haven't instilled certain financial safeguards. Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at the difference between Washington's licensee success rate and Nevada's licensee success rate. Mm-hmm. I mean, barring the fact that they were all friends of representatives or whatever that yes that's a licensure down there mm-hmm. but you know requiring wherewithal in a bank account requiring you know these certain things that yes are barriers to a lot of different groups of people right that is technically the smartest way to do it i mean how many times have licenses changed hands here in washington yeah there's only 500 some licenses but i guarantee you there's been 2,000 licensed transactions. Yeah. Yeah. And so because of, you know, anybody that had $1,000 and could fill out an application got a license. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying because low barrier to entry and all that, you know, letting people participate, but you got to show some wherewithal business sense something. Otherwise, it could be a nightmare. I mean, I guess dreams are, you know, all the same, whether they're nightmares or not. <laughs> They're all still dreams, but what kind of dream do you want to live? So it's, it's weird because one part of me is like, yes, we should have these wherewithal barriers in place. But the other side of me is like, what about the people that can't access past those barriers? They just get screwed. There's 
there's got to be some medium. And I think that that is the spirit of social equity. But, you know, you can say, you know, utopian societies are a great idea. Marxism, great idea. Sure. But once you put it into practice, complete shit show, right? Yeah. So I would say social social equity is pretty much on par with that. I agree. It's, it's, so now that we totally ripped the shit out of social equity, <laughs> let's discuss the bright spots. Where, where are some proposed legislations around social equity? What are some some places where there is some good, there could be some good coming down the pipeline with some of these programs? How do you guys feel about social equity and um, the marriage of federal decriminalization of marijuana? Sure. I mean, but it's like, going to happen. I mean, I, I'm the type where it's like, I'll believe it when I see it. So, you know, mm-hmm. again, talk to you when it happens. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but as far as kind of the, the brighter sides of social equity, I think that, um, you know, and, and I shit on Los Angeles' social equity program a lot. I mean, you know, I spent 40 plus minutes talking about how shitty it is. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that retail licenses are the most sought out license in California. Everybody wants to have a dispensary, mm-hmm. whether it be delivery only or a brick and mortar dispensary store. Everybody wants to do that. But Los Angeles has reserved any new licenses that have to do with retail. They're only reserved for social equity applicants. And I think that, and they, they have that reservation until 2025, as of right now. They might shorten it because they've done things like that before. But, um, <laughs> but um, as of right now, it's up until 2025. And I think that that is something that's good in that it kind of gives those applicants room to and room and time to really develop what it is that they need to do in order to you know properly execute their plan and their business and operate this dispensary because anybody can tell you that like dealing and and selling on the unregulated market is not the same as operating a regulated dispensary it's just right. not it's you have so many more regulations you have taxes you have other considerations taxes to alone. do yeah, taxes alone like it's it's a very very big difference and so um giving those applicants that time to really develop and kind of process the idea of look this this business i i'm passionate about it obviously and i want to get into it but it's just it's not the same as like yo i'm gonna you know go to my my dealer's house and chill for a while and then bounce out with an doing. I think it's good that the discussion has even started. Yeah. That it's even existing. Is it perfect? Hell no. <laughs> can it do good? I think it can. I think the potential's there. Is it doing good? I don't know. I have yeah. yet to see because again, Los Angeles has not really issued any licenses <laughs> from the social <laughs> equity program yet. So yeah, neither yeah. Washington, right? Like Washington yeah. rules are were supposed to be solidified back in like December, and here we cool. are. Yeah, cool. yeah. me, me, me. <laughs> um, but here we are, like in January, and it's still, we yeah. still nothing. We're still having these random conversations. I'm like, okay, where were these conversations I mean, like eight months ago? Yeah, as and I mean, Ellie's idea popped up. Ellie's getting sued, granted, because <laughs> they they decided to do their first round. Um, via first come first serve, and then people have backdoor links. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that Ellie's getting sued. So anyway, yeah, that, that's, that's a different thing. Yeah, I think the overall, I guess, like you say, that the best thing is that they're discussing it, they're talking about it, they're having the conversation. Yeah. 
they didn't necessarily have to. Um, I think that when it comes to uh, federally and the more act that they have uh, proposed this bill, you know, there is talk about the allocation of tax revenue from it being uh, allocated to communities that were affected by mm-hmm, right. the prohibition of cannabis. Right. And to me, I'm saying, okay, who is the congressperson? Who's going to put the pressure to turn that into reparations? Right. Because right. I don't, I think that's more of a better social equity move is to say, allocate those tax dollars to those communities versus trying to make capitalism pay fair. Right. All of our social services come through tax dollars. Right. right. And they don't necessarily come through a free market. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so that's just how I appreciate the conversation. But at, like all conversations, they will eventually end. They will die. People, yeah. you know, will stop talking about it. But now, as it it is a hot topic, you know, you know, trying to channel that these communications into real actionable things. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, as much yeah. as I talk shit about the social equity program in Washington, I do appreciate the fact that they are still having these conversations. I think um, as Volatile, some of the meetings have been. They have, they're trying. I mean, yeah, and the community members are actual members of of the community. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we, we have a number of people that, that listen and join these conversations. Um, and so they've, they've taken wild ass turns in mm-hmm. mid conversation. But nonetheless, like I was saying, you know, the conversations being had, Washington is trying to cope with it, trying to figure out a way to address all these concerns. I think they're kind of pulling and pushing in a couple of directions and seeing kind of what sticks and what feels good or what sounds good and kind of coming to terms that going this way is just not the right way to do it. The intentions are good, but you know what, in in actual practice with people from the community, it's, it's awful. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And so I think we just have to keep trying, keep trying and eventually you know, some of those kinks are going to work themselves out, but it's so important to have to voice your opinion, to let it be known that there's, you know, if a, if a social equity program is, is trying to go one way and it's just in real life, it just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Say something. Yeah. It's so important to say something because they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, whenever you look at the fines that are paid, on top of license fees, on right. top of excise taxes, on top of all that. Everybody wants to talk about the excise tax and how much money marijuana is made in tax money and all that. Right. What about the the fine money brought <laughs> in? I mean, firsthand, we've seen how many dollars in fines oh, come through? Yes. A lot. And so while I'm glad that they're having these conversations, and I think it's super important, and, and everybody's right, yes, we need to be talking about disproportionately affected people especially something that we've decided to prohibit for so long, demonize, mm-hmm. demonize various groups because of it, and then all of a sudden legalize it and make sure that all the senator's friends get the licenses and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, we need to do something to rectify that. Because yeah. that is, yeah. that's, that's too far. But, you know, we're having the conversations, and every conversation can do one of two things. It can either turn into action, useful action, or it can die. Yeah. And, you know, it's up to everybody in the community to at least be mindful of it that, like, hey, you know, there's a lot of people who got screwed for us to get here. 
Right. Yeah. Just, just straight out. That's just right. the way it is. Right. And, and, and to be grateful that, you know, it may not have been you or, or be grateful for what it birthed in, and, you know, these, these positive thoughts of rectifying these issues, you know, yeah. it's, it's a nice path, but I would rather see something personally like taking that millions of dollars and finding money and setting up grants for social equity. Right. Yeah. 100%. You know, because that's what they really need to avoid predatory lenders. Right. Yeah. All these things is just set up a grant program or something that just assists them in that, or it's like, Hey, these resources are available. We donate to this nonprofit as the state. So the state doesn't have any stake in it. Mm -hmm. Something like that. I mean, even that's probably imperfect, but you know, I'm going to see more action instead of let's talk about what we want to do to make ourselves feel better. But you know, whenever you look at, you know, the cool thing of, of, of these boards being formed, like in Washington, you know, we, in other states, we have, boards of members of the community have actually been affected they get to contribute to the conversation now right yeah before they were far out yeah who was like, right. giving yeah who was giving these opinions like right. who was talking about right. this because i didn't know anybody talking about it right. i didn't know all of a sudden right. it was just like oh this idea has now cometh forth from the grave <laughs> yeah from like oh, yeah. some random <laughs> person so yeah, so I that that is so important. Yeah, it's so important for people that are in the community that have that have suffered these atrocities. Yeah. So this is so there's there it's is a little bit of light yeah. to be had, given the way the programs have been structured. Yeah. I think it's a it's a tool, at least sure. it, like I, I don't I can't remember if it was something that we talked about in the last part um, or if it was something that I saw on Twitter because literally I see everything on Twitter. She loves. Um, <laughs> Um, but somebody somewhere said capitalism doesn't play nice until ah, okay. the government nope. tells you to play nice. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what some of the social equity programs could be used for, right? Like tobacco companies did not want to fucking talk about how fucking terrible cigarettes are until the government was like, yo, 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 chill. You gotta talk about Put this. Put five hundred million dollars in <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, like let me let me tell you how to do this. ATT Bell did not want to let go of their monopoly until the government was like, yo, yo, chill. Chill, chill. We gotta, we gotta not have a monopoly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those things I think where the social equity program could be used as like AO two, like hmm. capitalism. Yeah, we we'll tweak some things. We got, yeah, we gotta, yeah. we gotta uplift some other people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all about just you know putting money where your mouth is. Yeah. And you know, uh, one thing I loved uh, uh, this in 2020 is Portland. You know, allocating their cannabis tax revenue away from the police force mm-hmm. and they're holding it elsewhere. Cool. And so you look at, I, I, I love to like just kind of look at a lot of states <laughs> and where the, 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 the tax dollars go and where the revenue goes. And a lot of it goes to supporting, you know, the police force in, in those local communities in those states. So all of that allocating to them is not needed. Mm-mm. You know, right. and so we really need to follow, you know, everything. Just follow the money and where it goes, because giving somebody an opportunity does not necessarily mean that it's going to be success. Sure. Um, that sure. it's going yep. to be uh, equal footing in yeah. any of these things. But giving somebody a check, giving somebody a dollar allocated, that's far better. Right. right. Because you just you don't know what opportunity means in that person's hands. Right. Well, and, and then to that point, just real quick is. There is the very real situation to where some marijuana tax money 
is going directly to marijuana task forces. Right. <laughs> right. Like you yeah. want to see irony, your yeah. your tax money for buying weed is going to bust people exactly. for right. growing a few plants on their own. Right. Yeah. Like right. that yes. that almost makes you want to stop buying weed from the rec market. I'm just yeah. saying. No, yeah, it, like it, that I've actually itself. heard that cited as reasons why people don't want to buy from the rec market. Yeah. They yeah. don't want it because they're like, no, 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 it's, it's funding. It's a plant, it's not busting heads. Yes, I 100% agree. <laughs> it has blown my fucking mind to see these like new enforcement, like task force that have been created. I'm like, why? Yeah, and the funding that they get. Yeah. Wrong direction, bro. Why? Why, <laughs> why are we... Instead of further educating, because that's also an issue, right? Like mm-hmm. having enforcement and the lack of a lack of education and training or Absolutely. uniform um, education and training is a real issue. And so yeah. you're creating these task force for people that they shouldn't be doing this shit anymore. They yeah. shouldn't even be involved. Like yeah. there's there's a number of enforcement officers that are just not for the this industry. Well, yeah, because you they, know, they hate it. former state yeah. patrol fucking They joined because they troopers. wanted to bust more weed. Yeah, yes. exactly. Which is blowing my mind because now, you know, they're, they are the only helpline. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. nothing else. And all of a sudden, you know, there's they're creating more and more tasks for keeping some of these people on yeah. when they really should not be on. They, they yeah. should go off and do what they want to do with their yeah. lives, yeah. you know? But not have encouragement or any sort of I'm sorry, but what other fucking industry uses, like, former law enforcement as their enforcement officers? Yeah. What other fucking... Tell yeah. me! We got tell a consultant here in Washington now, though. That's but what no, okay. Tell me, <laughs> tell me the last time anybody has worked at any restaurant and they were scared that a cop was going to... A former cop was going to come into their restaurant and bust them for a server not washing their hands. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just fucked. People are dirty as fuck. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I just see the little <laughs> excellent. <laughs> well, they come, and do, they come to do that, right? They come to grade the rest of them. But, <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like, any other, like, we equate cannabis industry to, like, alcohol, right? Yeah. But the, the <laughs> thing is that this is the, the cannabis industry is growing, and if you're having people in the industry tell that are purposely like not wanting to be a part of that growth and are stunting it, like you're just creating more and more barriers right. for for the maturity of the industry. Right. Like, right. Why don't you, okay, I'm, I'm okay if you want to be an ex cop and do this. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah but so, but, but at least more of an understanding of what the goal is, right? Like we're trying to help licensees. Grow weed the proper way. Y'all fuckers don't know what you're doing. The agency doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. So and so doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. And so when licensees are trying to create their businesses, inevitably there's going to be errors. But I don't think that those errors. I mean, I'm speaking very, very disclaimer. There are some shit people have done. I'm like, good god. Yeah, yeah. Good that, is a felony. Felony. yeah. <laughs> that is a felony. That is a felony. That's nothing to do for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, oh, I mean you should license revoke because you didn't have the right paperwork in an industry right. that is not known for paperwork. Like, it's just like your exactly. partners, right? Or yeah. It's just, it's, it's just that, It's again, it's that transition of like going yeah. from an unregulated, I was doing this for all my life, but it wasn't regulated mm-hmm. to now I'm in a regulated market and I have to do all these things. What? Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. And there's inevitably, like Bob said, inevitably there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be some, you know, hurdles that we have to get through. And that's just... And you, so I hope that as we continue on this is discussion of social equity, as 
within the cannabis industry, that particular section continues to grow and mature that we one day can kind of look back and say, you know, if the struggle was real and there was a lot of it, but we are now closer and closer and closer to a solution that addresses the actual crises within within the minority communities and within the disenfranchised communities trying to make their way within the cannabis industry. And so that's all we can do right now is be helpful, provide education, you know, really be an ally and that speaks to not just us here as lawyers, but anybody in the industry um, to just be an ally for the community. And we come from a point of abundance and that's, there's plenty enough for everybody. It's fucking weed. It's weed. You know, <laughs> If it was meth, I'd be like, well, I don't know. This is a very different topic. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I'm know, not a part of that topic. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I can't, I can't make meth. But I can grow <laughs> weed in my backyard. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, we have to stay tuned. We have to stay vigilant. We have to keep on with the fight and see where we can help. And participate. Um, and participate. It's yeah. incredibly important. So, with that, y'all, concludes our two-parter on social equity. And, you know, we we spent the past, you know, 40 minutes fucking shitting on the social equity program and kind of going into maybe, you know, it could do good and that's great. But if any of you guys listening have had any good experience with social equity happy program, to take please tell happy us. Happy to yes. tell, like, just happy to listen. I want to know how it's been helping people so that maybe I, I won't be so jaded. We need a little help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we are very jaded. Yeah. And I think especially because <laughs> I've seen so many so many failed deals because of the regulations of social equity programs that I, that could have potentially been really good, but they weren't going to work out or they didn't work out because of the program. Um, so yeah, if you, if you listening have any, any good experiences with the uh, program or any thoughts, please share. comment yeah. or on IG, cultivate conversations. Yeah. I'm on IG, Neil at Cultiva Law. I'm on IG, Fabi at Cultiva Lotta, wait, not Lotta. I'm talking about five. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Who are you? <laughs> what time is it? Um, it's time for me to shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's all about. Go about your day. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you to our guests, Chris and Ken, for being a part of this. You will definitely hear from them again on a plethora of different topics that we have coming yeah. up. So, all right, awesome. Nice. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.